Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. For many of us that have either grown up in the church or have been following Christ for many years, there's a tendency to become so familiar with certain portions of Scripture that we almost become desensitized to their weight and urgency. In this week's episode, Francis Chan brings us through Matthew 25 and reminds us of how important it is to love the least of these in light of Jesus and eternity. It's our prayer that today your heart will be filled with compassion and you'd be compelled to show sacrificial love and care for those in need. Because by doing so, the Bible says it's like loving and caring for Jesus himself. God, I don't ever want to get bored of your word. I don't want to just casually read it and go, oh, that passage again. God, I want to take your word seriously. God, we want to be people who take it seriously. Even if no one else does, God, we want to be people who hear your word and go, God said that. That's what, that's, I've got to come under that. I've got to follow that. Father, I want to be that type of man, God. We want to be those types of people that don't just conform to what everyone else is doing and saying and just hearing the word and deceiving themselves. We want to be people who take your word seriously, God. And so, Father, I pray that you would force your way into our lives. That you would just force yourself into our hearts so that even if no one else trembles, Lord, that you would make us tremble. Even if everyone thinks your laws are foolish, God, that we would just say, no, no, this is truth. This is life. And your ways, your thoughts are so far beyond ours. God, forgive us, Lord, if your words become boring to us and we need someone to say it just perfectly before we listen. God, may we just recognize and value And thank you, God. Thank you for your word. I'm so grateful for your word. God, we have so many ideas. And almost all of them are wrong. And they originate from us. It's so nice to have your word and go, okay, well, this is what God says. Because there are hundreds of opinions in this room, Lord. But we've come here to come under your word and say this is not about anyone's opinion in this room. It's about what you say. Your holy God, may we treat your word as hallowed this morning. Help us, Father. Holy Spirit, we need you because we are so selfish. We are so self-centered. Help us to trust you and be God-centered in our lives, thinking about what would please you and honor you, knowing, God, that you're a good God, and whatever we sacrifice, you give us way more in return. You're so good. We want to be like you. Rescue us, Lord, from our own selfishness, that we could be like Christ who didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God, may we be like him, where we live each day for others, for you. Help us even right now, God. Sometimes we come into gatherings like this and all we think about is ourselves. Rescue us from that, Lord, that we could love each other and truly surrender to you and love you more than ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 this is Jesus speaking at the end of his life um, here on earth 
And uh, he's just confronted the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and uh, then he gives this message about his return. He's about to go to the cross. In fact, he tells them in uh, chapter 26, at the end of it, he says, when he'd finished these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the disciple is coming and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. So he's telling him, I'm gonna die in a couple of days. You guys understand this. So right before he says, I'm gonna die in a couple of days, here's what he has to say to us. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he'll separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me and the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. May he cause it to sink into our hearts. Some of us have been in church for years. We've heard this passage. Oh yeah, it's that sheep goat judgment passage. Come on, you guys. Let's, let's, let's think about this. This came out of the mouth of Jesus. And he says, when I return... He goes, when I, that, that first, when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Okay, we're not talking about Jesus like the pictures you might have on your wall returning one day. It's talking about Jesus in his glory. If you want to get a glimpse of what he's talking about, read Revelation 1 sometime. 
Revelation 1 is about John. John was the beloved disciple, right? Remember, that's what he's called, the beloved disciple. If, if it was Jesus' BFF on earth, it would have been John. John's just like, oh, Jesus loved me. He was crazy about me. We were so close. But do you see what happens when he sees Jesus now, after he's died, after he rose again, after he ascended back into heaven, and now he gets a glimpse of Jesus in his glorified form. Remember, this was like maybe his best friend on earth while he lived as a man. He knew him, but the moment he saw him in his glorified state, just a glimpse of him in some veiled form, it says he fell at his feet as though dead. He saw Jesus. It, it talks about his face shining like the sun, and, and it, he opened his mouth and his tongue's like a sword, and John sees him, and he just faints. He just sees this being, and he just, this was his best friend. This was his beloved disciple. This was the guy that's going, man, I, we were so close, but the moment he sees, that's not the Jesus I remember. And he just collapses, and, and Jesus says, hey, hey, don't, don't be afraid. It's me, John. It's me. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is like nothing anyone has ever seen. I want you to picture this right now. The Son of Man coming in all of his glory, coming out of the sky, a being coming from the sky. And it says all of his angels with him. Okay, so it's not just one being coming out, but it says all of his angels, and in, in Revelation 5, it talks about 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. 100 million. Picture this being in all of his glory, coming down with 100 million angels. We've never seen 100 million anything. Imagine a hundred million angels with this being that's just glowing like the sun coming down and it says that he's going to sit on his glorious throne. And then it says that, it, that, that all of the nations will be gathered before him. Every single human being will be brought before him. Picture now. Are, are, are you picturing this in your, in, your, in, your, in your mind? This being sitting on his throne, a hundred million angels. We're all just like John going... We're on that brink of just passing out or coming out of having passed out. Just going... And we're all just gathered. He just brings us all to one spot. You're just one of like seven billion people just going, blown away. What is going on right now? Who cares about anything else right now? Here is this being on his glorious throne with all of his angels and gathers all the people, billions of people, and you're one of them. Man, has this gotten old to you? Is this just another story to you? Because I guarantee you at that moment, it's not going to be just another Sunday school story. And you amongst all the other billions are going, this is it. This is it. And then he starts separating the people. I know we live in a day and age that doesn't want to believe in this. And I know that every funeral you go to, they tell you, he's in a better place, she's in a better place. Not necessarily. Okay? 
This is, these are the words of Jesus. I don't care what the rest of the world and how popular it is that everyone goes to heaven, all dogs go to Everyone, <laughs> right? Everyone's going, we're all good. I, I don't care. That's not what Jesus said. And I'll stand on that. I'll die for that. We're not all going to heaven. He says, I'm separating. This is what he, and you may go, oh, well, that's not fair. Well, you tell him. Okay? He's going to come down from heaven in his glorified state with all of his angels before him, sit on his throne, gather all the people that he created, and he's going to start dividing. As you go over here, you guys go over there. You know, and I used to look at this passage and I think, okay, so, so he's going to divide them. Here's the sheep to his right. You guys are going, oh, I'm glad I sat on this side. You know, here's the sheep on the right. And this is the way I, you know, I, you know, because sometimes you read the scriptures and you just imagine it a certain way. So I picture it something like this. Boom, split off. You guys on the right, you guys are on the left. And there's some truth to that. Except that what Jesus said in Matthew 7, he says, the road is narrow and few will find it. It's a narrow, difficult life that few will find and it leads to life. But then there's a broad, easy road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. So it's not you guys on the left, you guys on the right. If we really want to take his word accurately and say there's a few that would find, it, 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 it may be, you know what, let me, let me put this front row here on the right and everyone else on the left. Okay, picture that, just a small group where he just looks at them and that, that tiny group where he says, man, these are the narrow, they, they, they led to life, they went to that narrow, difficult road and he looks at those, man, I never really just pictured myself in this scene. Man, but I was picturing it and man, it brought me to tears this week. I mean, what if, I mean, I know you've read this before, but just try to picture it, okay? Jesus on his throne and he looks at you. No, like you, Jesus, the Son of God. I just try to imagine what in the world would it feel like to hear these words from Jesus as he separates me out and he takes this little row amongst the billions of people and he, and he looks and he says, Nancy, come on. Everything that's mine is yours. And you know why? Because I was hungry and you fed me. You fit, what? Man, I try to picture what if Jesus looked at me and said, Francis, you fed me. I was thirsty and you, you were the one. Everyone else was just, you know, oh, what should I drink today? What should I eat today? But you were thinking about me and how do I feed Jesus? How do I get to the poor? How do I get to the least? I picture Jesus looking at me and going, Francis, I was hungry and you fed me. Man. Is there a greater honor? Is there anything you want in life more than that? Than to hear Jesus himself look at you and go, man, you weren't like everyone else. You weren't just thinking, what should I eat? What should I wear? You were thinking about me. Like, well, what's Jesus gonna eat today? What's Jesus gonna wear today? And I think I would be like one of those people, like just overwhelmed, like Jesus, there's, you, you got the wrong person. Really? 
And he goes, no, 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 no. Whatever you did for the least of these, that kid in India that you're supporting, those people in Africa, the ones in Cambodia, the ones in the Philippines, man, whatever you did for them, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And I read that and I, I, I was just meditating on it this week going, God, I've read this so many times. And I don't know, it's, it's like, it was hard to grasp. Like, I don't know, sometimes we just read the Bible and it can become like, like there's a fog, like it's not reality and, and I'm not getting it, but I just thank God for his grace and the Holy Spirit this week awakening me again and going, can you imagine how awesome that would be? Seriously, picture Jesus in all of his glory and everyone's trembling and you're trembling and you're about to fall on your face and he looks at you specifically and says, thank you. I was hungry and you fed me. I don't know, man. I don't don't know what your life's about. I don't know what you're striving after, what you care about. And I'm the first to say, I'll get distracted by a lot of things on this earth. So I thank God for his word where I go, God, what am I doing? What am I thinking? This is the stuff that matters. This is what I care about. I don't want to get caught up in this Silicon Valley, Bay Area, who's got what, who's in what position, this or that, because I'm living for that day where no matter how little or how much I had, I didn't think about myself. I was thinking about Jesus all the time. Man, I want you to understand, man, this isn't like a a downer, like, oh, okay, I'll sacrifice and do this, man. I, I love, don't you love to be able to give? Like, don't you, like... Like Jesus, I I love to sing to him, but he he makes it a lot more tangible than that. That, That's the way he was. He goes, loving God is like loving your neighbor. The two, they kind of, they go together. That's what we've been talking about. You can't say, I love God. I just hate his church or I hate his children. I hate his body. It's, it it all goes together. It's our love for him that gives us this love for the Lord. I mean, we have to be careful because... If you just read that passage alone, it can almost sound like work salvation, right? I mean, let's face it. Jesus says, look, I'm going to split you guys up and I'm just take this little group here. I'm going to put them on the right. And because you know what? I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I mean, I was hungry and you fed me. You guys didn't feed me. You guys didn't give me anything to drink. You guys didn't clothe me. You just left me there naked and worried about what you were going to wear and whether it matched or whether it was cool enough. Or That's what you guys were thinking about, and they were thinking about me. So you could read that, and, and, and this is one of those few passages where we talk about the eternality of hell, right? Where he says, these go away into eternal life and the others into eternal punishment, it's, 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 you know, people say, well, I don't know if hell is eternal. Well, then maybe heaven isn't because it's the same word for both in the Greek. I mean, it's a crazy passage. And so you may look at it and go, okay, so if I feed the poor, if I give water to drink to, to, to those who are thirsty, if I clothe them, then I get to go to heaven. I mean, if you just read this, that's what it would look like. 
I mean, you read it. Read it for yourself. What does it sound like to you? But, but how could Jesus make that so strong when we know that it's by grace that we're saved through faith? How, how, how is it that it's, it's those of us who believe? Well, because the scriptures teach that when you believe, your heart changes. Eric preached about this, about the Holy Spirit. How your heart turns from this heart of stone into this heart of flesh. Where Ephesians 2 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins and you just kept doing whatever felt good to you. It's all about you. What feels good to you, you're going to do it and you gratify your desires. You're just dead. You're like a zombie. What does me want? I want this. I want that. And you just kind of blindly go, whatever feels good just happens. You got this heart of stone where you don't care about what other people need and what they think. You're not thinking about Christ, but then boom, it happens. And the Holy Spirit enters you and he changes this heart and things start happening where there's a change in your character and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And suddenly you look at the poor with new eyes and a new heart and go, I actually care about them. I'm actually thinking about them more than I'm thinking of myself. This is crazy. I'm thinking about girls that are being raped right now and and being sold off in slavery. I I don't even care where I live. I don't care what I eat. I, I don't care what I'm wearing. I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about Jesus in all of his glory. And I'm thinking, wow, you are you literally saying that when I care for them, it's like caring for you? Like that's you, literally, Jesus I mean, if I'm Jesus and I take that literally, man, and and I'm starving, it's great that we come in this room and we sing and we clap. Man, that's good stuff. But Jesus is saying, come on, I'm starving. I don't really need a song right now. That's great that you want to sing to me, but a sandwich would be better. You know? And I think sometimes in church we grade everything on, oh, what a sermon, what a great music time. And Jesus is saying, meanwhile, I'm starving. Meanwhile, I'm thirsty. Meanwhile, I'm being raped. But keep on singing. So I, I look at this passage and I'm going, man, this is, this is, this is real stuff. But it's, it's, it's about desire. It's about a change in heart. This isn't religion where I'm trying to make you feel guilty and go, yeah, you loser. You know, why are you thinking about yourself all the time? No, I'm talking about how God can rescue you from yourself. Like he can put his spirit in you and then suddenly it's your joy to help other people. And you're not just thinking about yourself all the time. You're actually thinking about others. You know, I know it's very popular nowadays to say, yeah, but I don't love myself enough. If you're saying that, you love yourself plenty. You you can't, you just can't stop thinking about yourself. I got to love me more. I got to love me more. The Bible says, I don't care what the world says. And 2 Timothy 4 talks about how in the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. That's not a good thing. And yet we live in a generation where people say, you don't love yourself enough. Look in the mirror and say, I love you. You know, it's just get to that point where you can honestly look in the mirror and go, I just love you. No, I love you. It's just this, it's just this, Bible says that's the opposite of love. It's a sickness where you, you, 
It's going to bring you into depression where you can't think about anyone else except yourself and your own needs. God's trying to rescue you from that. And say, man, I can change your heart where you're just consumed with other people. And you just love other people. And when you see the joy in someone else's eye, when you feed a piece of bread to a kid that wasn't going to eat, that's going to bring you more joy than anything else. See, sometimes the cure to our sadness and our, our, our depression is not to look in the mirror longer. It's, it's saying, God, rescue me from this. Help me to look at others. Change this because it's, and, and I'm telling you, it's incredible. It's amazing. I, I was a very, very selfish person. Man, I, self-centered as we all were at some point. But God changes us by his grace. And doesn't mean we don't struggle. Doesn't mean we don't get distracted just because we're surrounded by it all the time. Look, I was the guy who, when I was a kid, they used to show those videos of people in Ethiopia. Some of you guys that are my age or, or older, um, and I can tell some of you guys are older. Um, you remember on TV how they used to have those infomercials where they would show people in Africa and I don't know what you did, but I would always just flip the channel. Or actually flip the channel. <laughs> yeah, you used to have to turn it. Um, yeah, the dial, <laughs> remember that? Crazy, in your little black and white TV, you just turn the dial. It was just hard to see, and I didn't want to think about it. And so if I just flip the channel, okay, okay, the sitcom's on, Three's Company, you know, whatever. <laughs> Some of you guys know, just stupid, right? But the Lord began to change my heart. Um, you, you guys are going to support uh, Samaritan's Purse next week. Actually, Samaritan's Purse was one of the organizations that helped change my heart. Um, I was pastoring a church, big church. And honestly, we gave next to nothing to the poor. I mean, it was less than 3% of our annual budget went to missions. So I'm not judging anyone. I'm just going... I didn't think about it. I was just focused on us. This was down in Simi Valley. Everything went to Simi Valley. All the programs were about Simi Valley. And then I was invited to go on this uh, trip to Uganda with Franklin Graham. And as a young pastor, I thought, wow, I can go travel with Franklin Graham. I want to learn from And he just picked like a select group of pastors. And I thought, wow. I'm going to go hang out with Franklin Graham and all these other like big name pastors. And, and so I'm just being real with you guys. It had nothing to do with the poor. I'm just thinking this would be cool. Then I heard that Bono might be going. And I was like, oh, I think the Lord's calling me. You know, it was just, I'm going. I'm just letting you know, man, it was all, it was selfish motive. It's like, wow, I could learn so much from Franklin Graham. I just respect Billy Graham, all this stuff. And I, I want to go on this trip. Well, what ends up happening is uh, Franklin's mom gets sick and he can't go. And unbeknownst to me, all the pastors kind of bailed too that were supposed to go. And and I heard some of them were leaving, but I was, then I'd felt, then it was my pride again. It's like, well, I'll look like I only went for Franklin if I leave now. I mean, this, this is a disgusting being right here. Like, it's just sick, you know? And so I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And I get there, and, you know, Bono's not there. I was 
dreaming of writing songs on the plane with him. He wasn't there. It was just me and a bunch of no-name pastors. <laughs> and we started meeting these people in Uganda. And man, I was just a puddle of tears. You see, I used to just see pictures of people in Africa. And it was like, those guys over there, that's weird. Okay, that's, that's there. Of course, I feel a little sick over it, as everyone does. With the spirit or without the spirit, you just feel sick. So you try to neglect it. But it was different when I was there and I actually held their hands, laughed with them, and became friends with them. And suddenly it wasn't that African girl. It was Mary. It was... Tammy, it was, you know, Dora, it was Abisage, it was Rose, it was Kenneth, it was these people. And suddenly it's not that kid. And then the scriptures just started coming alive like, wow, love your neighbor as yourself. Pastors like Matthew 25, okay, if that's Jesus right there, what, what am I going to do with Jesus? Like, I, I can't just walk away from Jesus and fly home. All these thoughts start, it, 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 what, man, it was just this crazy time. And I remember even driving back in the van to the airport with all these other leaders. And one of the leaders spoke up because we were all pretty grieved over what we saw. And he's like, man, if someone like Bill Gates would just start giving more, he could change his whole community. And yeah, and they started getting in this conversation. And I just thought, I, and I was a young guy. I was like, you guys, man, I got to say something. Why are you talking about Bill Gates? What about us? I go, man, I was going to go home. I was going to buy a truck. I was going to buy a new truck. I've always wanted a truck. I want to buy a new truck. But I have a choice. I can either buy that truck or I could build a high school. Like, that's how far our money goes over here. I can actually educate some of these people to where they could give their country a fighting chance. Like, that's me. Little old me. Little nobody could have spent that 10, 12,000 on a truck. Things were cheaper back then, you know. Or, or I could use that money and build something that actually matters. This is the stuff I'm wrestling with. I don't get it. Man, why are we talking about people that, that might not even have the spirit of God in them? Why are we looking at ourselves and saying, what am I doing? And man, it, it, it just, it took me on this spin. And I thank God for it. I came home, I started looking at our house and I'm like, honey, I, I know our house isn't a whole lot. Man, but I wish you would have been there with me. I wish you could have seen what I saw. I can't live in here anymore. Like, if that's really Jesus, I know this isn't anything extravagant, but man, we can live off of less. You know, and praise God for an amazing, godly woman who wasn't in Africa with me and, and just hears her husband come home and says, I can't live here anymore. And that afternoon goes around looking at trailer parks with me. And a couple of our kids, right? They only had a couple of them. And man, it was just, it was with this joy of just, man, we're going to do something. Man, and then we started talking to the church and, and, and people started downsizing. Man, I had students even, college students that said, I don't need to rent this room. I'm going to live in my car and just take a shower at my friend's house so that all my rent can go to the poor because that's Jesus out there. 
We had people that said, you know what? I'm going to move out of my house and live in a trailer and rent out my house and give that. I mean, this was a crazy time in the life of our church. Man, it was nuts. And, and it wasn't like this, oh, look at us. No, it was with joy. I tell you, because I went back to that same little village where I saw the naked kids, the starving kids, everything else, uneducated, diseased. And I went back, you know, about two years later, and I walk in, and there's this big old schoolhouse, right? And all these classrooms, and these kids are all in uniform. And there's, I, I just snuck in the back to just check it out. And you, you see hundreds. Hundreds of Ugandan orphans in uniform, clean, big old smile, singing to Jesus, being educated. And, and as I'm in the back of the room, just sneaking in to see what our church's money had done, the teacher catches me and sees me in the back and she stops her class. And she goes, everyone, I want you to turn around. And they all turn around and look at me. Man, I didn't want this. She goes, that's Pastor Chan. Every one of you is sponsored by someone in his church. Immediately, like these two to three hundred orphans just stand up and start screaming and clapping and cheering. Man, do you know what that felt like? Man, it was like, this is the greatest moment ever. You just, just think about my congregation and everything they sacrifice and these kids are just clapping and screaming. Man, I, I finally felt what Jesus said when he says, man, it's so much more blessed to give than to receive. Man, when you give, I'm telling you. And every week we started giving to the poor, doing more and more and more. And you should have seen our car. It was the happiest the church had ever been. I'd never seen my church that alive. We would, during offerings, and we would tell people, look what we did this week. Look at the wells we dug this week. Look at what we did this week. Man, the place would just start cheering. Offering time was a rush. Because they knew, man, we're not spending it on ourselves. We're giving to them. And look what's happening, man. And literally, a congregation cheering during offering spontaneously. And I just thought, man, I, I wonder if this isn't what God meant when he says he loves a cheerful giver. I'm not thinking, look at these cheering givers. We get it. We love it. We're in the middle of a building project. We were starting a building project because our church was just max. You know, we had four, four or five services, thousand people each service. People, you know, Easter, we would just have to tell you, sorry, sorry, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Here's a list of churches you can go to. There's no seats. It was just, let's build a bigger place. And the elders had brought me the blueprints of this new building we we're going to build. $20 million we we're going to spend. And I, I, I looked at him, I'm like, you guys, I can't do it. I'm thinking about these people overseas, and I just can't do it. I, I, this looks like a mall. This looks, and, I, and I said, hey, what if, uh, I, got, I got an idea. On that land, what if we don't build a building? What if we all just meet outside on the grass? And we save the $20 million dollars. And we spend that $20 million on the poor. 
And imagine, imagine, and I was just given this vision to the elders. I go, imagine if people are driving by in Southern California and every week they see four or 5,000 people sitting on the grass outside, sweating or getting wet from the rain that once a year when it rains. <laughs> I go, what if people drove by and saw what in the world I go, isn't that such a better picture of Jesus? And people, I was like, man, I'll I'll preach in the rain. I don't care. I get to go home. I'll sweat. Put a hat on. If that's Jesus, may I do that for Jesus? And there was some pushback of, well, you know, I don't know. I, I, and I, they're like, can we really, you know, what if we get sick? Oh, yeah. I get sick all the time going to Dodger games. <laughs> and I said, have you guys ever heard of the Green Bay Packers? People will sit in free, literal freezing cold weather for hours. Because they love, they worship the Packers. And you're telling me for Jesus, we won't sit in a field. I can't pastor that kind of congregation. And we had people leave. But a new crew came and said, man, I would love to sit in the rain for Jesus. I would love to care for the poor that way. I mean, it was just this... Time, man, and you know, telling the elders, hey, if we love our neighbors as ourselves, why don't we spend on our neighbors what we spend on ourselves? From now on, why don't we have half of our offering go to the poor, and then we'll figure it out. We'll have to make some cuts. We'll have to do this or that. But how about, man, and the miracles that just started happening, crazy things that started happening. Man, I'm telling you, it was the greatest time in our church's history, the most life because we got over ourselves. And we started thinking about Jesus, and I've never seen these people so happy. I've never seen a congregation so happy. It was just an absolute rush because we love Jesus. And now it's just, I, I feel like I'm addicted. I'm addicted to giving. I'm addicted to these people and caring for them. And it's so nice. And anytime you start feeling sorry for yourself, you just look at one of their situations and go, okay, never mind. My life is fine. My life is great. Earlier this year, uh, my wife and I, it was our 20-year anniversary. So we were like, man, what would be the coolest thing? Where, where do you want to go? You want to go to Fiji? You want to go to Hawaii? Where do you want to go? And we, we just started thinking. We go, you know, the greatest times are when we go serve someone. Like, this is the most fulfilling. It brings us the most lasting joy. It's not like, oh, we're so miserable. We're going to go. It's like, gosh, you know what would be really cool? What if we go to Africa, you know, for 20 years? What if we do something? It's God's word. And say, that is Jesus. And something's got to change. I don't know what that means for you. I'm just telling you, my family's made changes and they have brought so much life to our family and God has always provided for us. I'm not gonna tell you what you need to do. I just want you to think about God's word and let you know there are plenty of kids like this. 
that we're just trying to feed. We're just trying to keep them alive until we can find long-term solutions for them. We saw a bunch of kids like this. We saw a bunch of women that were sex slaves sleeping with guys for a dollar a night, most of it going to their pimp or master, whatever you want to call it, while their kids are under their beds. And I'm just going, honey, we, we got we, we to do something. We've got to live for this. We got to make something happen. God blessed us for a reason. Man, not so that I could just sit around and find the best restaurants and pick them apart. It's like, gosh, God's entrusted us with something. He's gifted us with something. We're going to make something happen. Not out of guilt. Man, that's why I like that they don't pass the plate four times a service here. When it, God, God loves a cheerful giver. It's like, I don't want you going, oh, crud, there's a guilt. The guy next to me is going to watch me. Okay, I'll throw something in or just put in a piece of paper or empty envelope so it looks like I'm... We don't want any of that. We just go, you know what? I want to give. Like, I am trying to figure out, trying to figure out how we can live off of less and less and less so we can give a bigger and bigger percentage to Jesus because Jesus is worth it. Man, I don't know what I'd be if I couldn't give. Like, I love it. Like, it's my way of tangibly loving Jesus back. Um, yeah, I pray. Yeah, I read the scriptures. Yeah, I sing. But I look at what scripture says and go, I want to tangibly care for him. And man, as we've talked about what a biblical church is, you know, where we're this loving community, where we have elders that are training us up for the work of service, you know, where we're missional and we're talking about reaching the world. This is part of it. And where we gather not to hear some orator or, or necessary for music or whatever, but because of communion, because of fellowship, because of prayer, because of the word of God. Man, a big part of that is I want us to be a church that cares about the needs of the world. And there's a lot of stuff going on. We live in a very self-centered country. That's why we all know about the two or three cases of Ebola in America. And very few of us know how many cases there are in Liberia. Because we're self-centered. We think about us. It's like we just want to make sure it doesn't get to the Silicon Valley. Quarantine them. Get, that, that's our, it's, it's self We can't help it. It's our flesh. And meanwhile, you're going to meet some people, you know, from Samaritan's Purse that are going, you know what, we're going to them. It's like, right on. Man, that's a heart change. And I'm praying for that in the church. And maybe some of you here go, man, I have never had that heart change. I even see these pictures you'll put up and I, I don't know. I'm still thinking about what car I'm going to buy this afternoon. I'm still thinking about where I'm going to eat. I'm still, like, I don't have that in me, I can't stop thinking about me, then maybe it's you never really gave your life to Jesus. And maybe the Holy Spirit never really entered into you. Because maybe you're one of that big group where you go, yeah, he's hungry, but I don't care. I'm not going to sacrifice anything. We're not telling you to force yourself to do that. We're saying maybe your heart hasn't changed. Maybe it's not coming from the inside out. And that's my biggest concern right now. That, that 
going in that water, baptism is, I'm done with me, that always thinks about me and whatever. I now understand that Jesus, that God sent his son to die for me. He rescued me in my sin and I'm ready to give my life to him. I'm ready to follow him and I want him to change my heart so I become like Jesus and I don't just tell everyone to serve me and come to church for me. I want that heart changed so I can live for others. And if that's you this morning and you'd like to get baptized, the Bible says, you know what? If you understand what Jesus did for you on that cross, then it's time for you to repent, be baptized and filled with the spirit for him to change your heart. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.